0: Demaris. Uh, there's something about someone's true colors that it's only a matter of time before they come out, right? I mean, we have this sense in us that we just try and keep on um, our, our best face as long as we can until maybe we can't. But I don't know how you have experienced getting to know someone. If you spend any bit of time with someone, sometimes you're pleasantly surprised, like, "Wow, I didn't realize I could have such good friendship with this person." Or you spend a little bit more time, you realize, "Wow, this feels like an increasing disconnect for me." Um, I had this college friend who became my best friend in college, and we lived together for more than half the time. In fact, we were part of a Christian fraternity, and we pledged, and we were in the same pledge class, and. And I remember seeing him and I later said to him, after we became good friends, after we had gone through ship and we're, we're now living together and we're roommates, and I said, you know, I remember seeing you and I thought, you know, that guy, his name's Steve. I was like, he, he just seems like a good friend. Like, he seems like someone we're gonna be friends and I would really enjoy getting to know. Like, cause like I didn't know anyone when I showed up to this campus with like 45,000 people, right? So I was kind of on the hunt for just finding my people. And he goes, you know what's funny about that? I saw you little bros. Clearly that wasn't the case, but I was right. We became really good friends. And he's like, wow, you're not really stuck up. And I go, well, thanks. Totally appreciate that. So um, we all have our true colors. We all get to um, see, but we all kind of work on this hidden identity. There's parts of ourselves that we don't let out, at least let out around certain people. I'm a pastor. There are certain things that I don't let be known, namely that I'm a pastor in social circumstances because it changes the way people act. There's other things that I tend to hold close to the vest too, namely living in Austin that I'm from California because there's like, oh my gosh, it's you idiots who like drove the prices of, you know, real estate up. I was like, don't give us that much credit. That's a crazy state. You'd be here too. And, um, you know, can't help it that it's a cool San Francisco. I know exactly how you vote. I was like, I don't think you do. But clearly, he had put me into this camp uh, that is reflective of San Francisco. And I thought, I want to be my own person, um, but there's these things that I don't lead with. You you see my my point. So I found this funny thing, um, and uh, it's about a a kid that went away to college, and he posted this thing on, um, on Facebook. And I don't know if you can read it, but let me go ahead and read it for you. Uh, It says... Michael says, all right, who wants to get drunk tonight? And then Todd, his good buddy, is like, me, 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 me. And then Marie, clearly his mom, reads her son's post, says this, Michael, you know your father and I both love you and trust you to make the right decisions in college. But please keep in mind that alcoholism runs in our family. And if you are irresponsible, you could end up in the same place as your grandfather ended up alcoholism is a vicious cycle that he was caught up in and almost ruined the entire family he was constantly fighting it in every way you were just a baby when all this was happening so I don't expect you to have learned a lesson from it but please hear what I'm saying now I don't mean to preach but I just want you want what is best for you and if you have any questions about alcohol and moderation you know that you can talk to your father or myself whenever you need help. I love you and have fun, college man, mom." Michael replies, and I'm gonna need some help with interpretation, TLDR. Does anyone know? Sutter, do you know what TLDR, what? Are you kidding me? Tatum, this is pure tech speak, yo. Like you have to keep up, it means too long didn't read. So if you ever see this moniker, it says too long didn't read to which mom says, well, what does that stand for? Terrific lesson, gonna do right. That's my boy, I mean, college man. I, there is this hidden identity of a kid going loose because he's out of mom and dad's house, right? And so there's this idea that when we get out on our own or when we get with a certain group of people, we let the real us come out, or maybe we get into another situation where we're like, I don't want to let that side come out. Whatever it is, we all have this condition of what I would just consider a hidden identity. We all kind of broker relationships where we feel safe, but not entirely safe. We let maybe co-workers get to a certain point. Maybe neighbors get a little closer. Maybe good friends over a longer time get even closer. But eventually we kind of draw a line going, that's far enough. We have been looking at the life of Joseph. And Joseph has been on a roller coaster. But he's living with this profound promise that people will bow down to you which is not the actual remarkable thing of the story, but that God would use his life. The problem is, is that he keeps making these strides with feels like two steps forward and not just one step back, like a huge step back. So he makes this, like, oh, let's at least make a little money and let him live. Let's sell him off into slavery. So it's like, whoa, where is God's promise going with this? And he ends up in Potiphar's house in this ascent where he's, like, running this guy, the commander-in-chief of the army, all of his operations in this huge estate, and then he gets falsely accused of sexual assault. So he ends up in prison. It's sort of like two steps forward, one step back. God, where are you? quit jerking me around you gave me a dream where's the where's the deliverance Where, where's the promise so i want to take a little bit of a backtrack and review a couple of last week we we're in chapter 47 over this summer we've been going through genesis 37 we'll end up in 50 in two weeks but i want to kind of retrace some steps here because i thought they were really interesting and worth talking about now Like I said, there's certain things about me. I remember, um, speaking of being a pastor, I was out with, uh, it was when Bjorn was a senior in high school and all the kids went out after a a golf tournament. And wouldn't you know it, I'm sitting next to a guy um, and I knew he could care less what I do. So I was just trying to talk. I knew he was in real estate. I talked as much real estate game as I could till finally, and we're the only two adults with all these teenagers, boys at the table. And he's like, so what do you do? And I was like, well, you know, um, dang it. Uh, well, I, I, I did a church startup. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. And he, he literally goes, well, isn't that great for you? And he turns and he starts talking to the kids. I was like, I knew you were a jerk before I let that out. I was so mad. Like, Clearly, there was nothing else to talk about with me. This is what happens is we kind of have this version of ourselves that sometimes doesn't feel safe to let known. Other times, there's just this sense that, um, I don't know if what, like now that I know that about you, I, it feels like a disconnect. Whatever the case might be, we find in this moment where in Genesis 42, 43, and 44, and 45, we're going to just kind of highlight that. He finally has this encounter with his brothers and he doesn't want it, let it out to who he really is. They don't recognize him and he doesn't want to tell them. So if you're following along at home or if you're here, you can fire open the app tonight. We're going to go through a couple of scripture and the first one is in Genesis 42 and it begins in verse 6 and it says this. Now, John, the former convict, formerly sexually exalted, former slave, Joseph. I mean, this guy, he's the governor of Illinois, which is like the understatement, right? The person who sold grain to all of its people... And when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces in the ground. And as soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger. And he spoke harshly to them. Where did you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Now, for the next couple of chapters, Joseph starts playing games. And I say that loosely, but he starts this sort of antagonistic relationship with these guys that are there thinking, listen, we can't backtalk this guy, but he's really like put on jerk face with us. And he's like, well, and you could argue like, why is he so sp- suspicious? Why doesn't he just put down the authority saying, what happened? Whatever the case might be, he wants to find out the condition of his family. And so he might have thought, you know what, I've got to like test these guys. So what he does is he sends them back to Canaan to bring the youngest brother, his full brother. Remember, all of these had different mothers, but Jacob was the common father. His one true brother was Benjamin, who became the new favorite after Joseph was removed and told that he was dead. So he wants to find out about Benjamin. He wants to find out about his dad and his mom. But he didn't feel like he could like ask them directly. Maybe these were the same low character brothers. And so he wasn't gonna just like ask them directly. He kind of needed to discern and observe. So he sends him kind of on this wild goose. Sends him back, brings Benjamin back, which clearly dad didn't want to do and then they send him back on a second trip and brings him back and so they're making this journey a couple of times just to get something to eat because the famine is ravaging the land and here's what i think is interesting just like jesus joseph has all the freedom in the world to resist and to act ungracious jesus had all the freedom in the world to choose plan B, to get off the cross, but it was God's plan A. We've been talking about what does it mean to go through a theology of plan B, finding God in unexpected places. And Joseph has this moment, this complete free will to resist the God of hope and the God of promise, because things aren't working out and now your betrayers, your own flesh and blood have appeared with their hands out going gimme 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 we need food like everyone else and so he's sniffing them out and then when we get to chapter 45 it's been enough of this back and forth they go back they bring their son the brother and finally there's this big reveal you know when you watch reality TV you get to the end of the half hour and then there's the big reveal whatever the house looks like or whether the car looks like or whether the weight loss looks like whatever it is here's the big reveal leave my presence so there was no one with Joseph when he made excuse me when he made known to him to his brothers and he wept loudly so that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it Joseph said to his brothers I'm Joseph Now, is my father living? Which now we start to get an indication of what he was really after. Why he was being so coy with them, Why he was playing games with them. He wanted to know if his dad was still alive. Or if they did to his dad something nefarious like they did to him. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said... I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into slavery, and now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. What? Wait, you talk about some godly perspective? You you talk about, like, a a kind of attitude adjustment? For all of the stuff he's had to endure, he's now piecing together... A, divine, a thread of divine tapestry that God has been weaving. Whoa, that's embarrassing. Just kidding, Matt. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and he said to him, he says, because uh, for two years now, there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler over all Egypt. When Joseph's talking here, looking in hindsight, it's almost like he's got this gaining momentum with this sense over God's divine power plan despite the setbacks despite all the things that like were not what God actually intended God has been redeeming circumstances using opportunities and he's been obedient and faithful all along did he have some growing up to do sure was there some immaturity on the front end yes But can we be honest and say it's the struggle that develops the character? It's the suffering that actually makes us emotionally and maybe even spiritually mature faster than we would like? Now, he's got what I would call more than a sincere faith in God. He's got a mature faith in God. That's an important distinction because a lot of times there's people who, who man, I really, I'm a strong Christian. I'm a believer. I, I go to church when I can and I, you know, I try and do these things. And I'm a good person and I think there's a lot of sincerity and I affirm that. Maturity looks like something else that, be, that is able to withstand the circumstances. A maturing faith is a rooted faith. And what's happened to Joseph now is the roots have gone really deep. And this is what I like to call finding God in the sequence of our lives. Because if you go through day to day and simply try and find like this terrible thing happened, why would God allow this to happen? You're asking the complete wrong question. The bigger question is, is what has God been doing in the sequence of my life over the last year two years and three years what is the cumulative effect of God allowing these things to happen God providing these things for me without my deserving them now we can begin to sense God in the greater sequence of our life rather than trying to find God in the event is this God's will or not why would God allow this to happen and with great maturity and wisdom he starts to take the, the, maybe the broader view of all of the events and go, oh my goodness, I can see now, it wasn't, it wasn't you who sent me here, it was God. Did God mean to send him there as a slave? No, I don't believe so. Did God redeem the cir- circumstances? Absolutely. Where's God when? These are the kinds of things that we can take great hope and encouragement from a guy like Joseph. So the story of Joseph making himself known, this sort of coming out party, is so significant, so important. It's because this is what I believe each of us, as Christ followers, are supposed to do, is make God known. Put the divine on display. And in Joseph's great coming out party, in the big reveal of his life, where he comes clean to his brothers, he's not only saying... It's not your fault. I have forgiven you, but I'm also going to advocate on your behalf. Yeah, here's some food. But as we saw last week and in the next two chapters, he brings them there, advocates on their behalf to Pharaoh, and gives them this choice piece of land to resettle up to 70 relatives. Because it was all of the brothers and their spouses and their kids. You want to talk about putting the divine on display? This was the great coming out party of his life. This was the big reveal. It wasn't his human strength or it his ability to be nice. His ability to just do what he felt like was reasonable to do under the circumstances. But justifiably, I have every right to do something mean back. He goes, no. This is what God intended. And my life is not my own. In fact, my life is but an offering. I think this is powerful. And what we really learned from Joseph's life is nothing is for nothing when we are in Christ. Nothing is for nothing when we are rooted in the promise of God and sensitive to the presence of God. This is what God is wanting to do. And so every day, starting tomorrow, we have a chance to put the divine on display in gracious ways, in compassionate ways, in generous ways, in hospitable ways. We have the chance to make Christ known. And so every day we get the chance to be the big reveal. This is part of how God wants to work out his salvation. And I give Joseph so much credit, more credit than I would have. Because I would want to have some vengeance. I would want to have a little bit of revenge. Like, just being honest, right? Like, here's me, like, full disclosure. I'm livid at my family. I could see the story that God's been writing. Here's where it gets really neat is he calls for Jacob and Jacob comes. This is the patriarch, right? And the patriarch finally shows up. And you have to ask the question, what is it? What is God's plan for Jacob? What is it God's plan for his family to leave the promised land and now come to Egypt? What is he said? Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for I will make you into a great nation. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Did you see that? That's a, that's a terminal. This is a one-way trip. He'll be with you till your death. That's what that's saying. See, there are key questions In understanding God's plan and why things happen the way they do and God has always been trying to establish a people that have been set apart and first it was uh you know this initial family and then it became the nation of Israel and then it became a church or what I like to call an extended family but he's always been trying to raise up people to be part of his solution and his salvation his redemption and his restoration on earth as it is in heaven so you and i get to be co-creators with the god of the universe in bringing new life on earth and so what, whatever joseph's motivation was in keeping his identity he didn't harm his brothers and despite having the power to do so he was utterly forgiving some of you might remember um, the, the, the really hard film telling of the story of Oscar Schindler during the war and advocating for the Jews. Oscar Schindler was just a successful businessman. But if you look at the life of Oscar Schindler, there is this transformation that, that, that occurs. There's one scene where they're in a POW camp where he was getting lots of the workers from for his factory, he was just a businessman. But when he was sitting there having this talk with the commander, and I don't know if you remember, there's this deck that overlooks the whole camp, and the commander was just a drunk. And he would sit up there with a rifle and randomly snipe off prisoners. And this was what he was known for. And he's sitting up there with the commander of this POW camp, and he says... In sort of a subtle protest, a sort of a guised protest, he says, What is power? And the commander said, He holds his gun and he goes, Power is the ability to instill fear. To which Oscar Schindler says, No, I think power is the ability to pardon. That sounds like Jesus to me. See, we look yet, in the sake of the gospel, in God's economy, Power is the ability to pardon. We've been created to be set free. Why are we holding on to that offense? And so what happens over the course of this movie is the metrics begin to change for Schindler. Do, do you remember the end of the movie? He gets to the point where, like, he's gone from being just an entrepreneur to a liberator. He's, he's gone from being a businessman thinking about profit to thinking about and by the end of the movie, the, the war's over and all these people are framed. And he starts doing this final inventory. And he's like, I could have saved more. I could have saved more. And then he stares and he's got this beautiful car with a driver. And it. it's like, all of a sudden he realizes his opulence. He's like, this, this I, could, I could have had ten more. And, and one of the Jewish men, no, 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 you don't. And he's like, yes, yes. And as he's shaking his hand, he looks down and he sees this lapel pin. And he goes, this. This piece of you, I, I could have had one more. You want to talk about a transformational experience? The closer he got to the need, the more compassionate he became. The goal of the Christian life is not to avoid hardship or feeling uncomfortable or be an inconvenience. It's to roll up our sleeves and get as close to the needs so that we can be not only affect change, but be transformed from the inside out. That's how God's going to bring resurrection into each and every one of us. New life is within reach for them, for us, if we would only walk in God's promise and understand God's presence. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, I am so um, aware of your presence in this place and in these people's lives. And I'm so thankful for the patriarchs of old who have walked before us in the same earthly steps with the same offenses, the same fears, the same setbacks, the same abuse that we experience here today. And yet we have faithful followers To look upon and say, thank you, Lord. It's possible, but only with you. So deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the temptation to get sidetracked or to lose faith because circumstances aren't going our way. Help us to be aware of the times in our week where where you want to shine through us. I want you to just do two things. One, just reflect back over your last week. Can you think of a time, and I'm going to just trust the Holy Spirit to bring this to mind, where God's light shined through you? A moment of hospitality? A thoughtful reply that was unnecessary? A generous gift? I want you to be encouraged by this message because I believe God is using you beyond your, your awareness. But let the Holy Spirit bring to mind where God's light shown through you in an instant, just within the last week. I believe if you give that enough time and you ask the Holy Spirit to do that, you could come up with something every day. I believe that's true. Now I want to just challenge you to pray this prayer. God, shine through me this week. Make that your invitation. Make that your request. Make us aware of your presence, Lord Jesus, so that we we might turn either toward or away from an opportunity to put the divine on display. An act of contrition, an act of confession, generosity, whatever it may be. Use us, shape us, mold us, make us as image bearers as part of your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.